We are digging in to the rich archaeological history in Northern Ireland today. And as always, we will end with sites you can visit to discover this history on your own. I feel like I need to begin today's podcast with a slight disclaimer. At the time of publish, this information is correct. This project is still planned. And if you have any questions, there is information at the end of the podcast to reach out to Queen's University Belfast for more information. Hi again, everyone, and thanks for joining me here on the Traveling in Ireland podcast. Today, I am so excited. We're going north of the border into Northern Ireland. And my guest is Eileen Murphy, Professor of Archaeology at Queen's University, Belfast. Now, I had the opportunity to meet Eileen a few times here in the States when she was at the Milwaukee Irish Fest. And my daughter, who is a budding archaeologist, absolutely fell in love with everything Queen's University. <laughs> and has declared that that is where she will be going to school. So we'll see how that goes. But today we are going to talk about Ireland's rich archeological history and some of the things that Queen's University can offer to students of archeology span that may not be going to school in Ireland. Eileen, thank you so much for joining me today here on the podcast. Hi, Jodi. It's lovely to be with you. So, now, like I said, we met first at the Milwaukee Irish Festival, which is a really terrific spot for people who are in the United States and want to pick up some Irish culture and history. And you were there kind of sharing information about archaeology in Ireland. So can you tell us a little bit about Ireland's rich archaeological history and kind of what makes Ireland such a great place for archaeologists? Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, Ireland, it has an amazing heritage and, um, you know, the length of time people have been there has been about 10,000 or so years. So we start off kind of in the Mesolithic when um, we'd have had hunter-gatherers, you know, living in sort of rivers, riverside campsites and relying on, you know, um, hazelnuts and berries and uh, wild boar. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a little bit... Uh, shadowy. We don't know a huge amount about Mesolithic people, but whenever we move into the Neolithic, this is when you get the megalithic tombs. So that's about 4000 BC. Um, and these are the tombs that sort of capture people's imagination. You know, the, the large stone constructions that we have dotted across our island, our, our island and uh, the, what sort of people imagine the kind of magic of Ireland and the landscape. So these would have been the first farmers so people would have had their domestic animals and started to grow cereals. And then they had uh, these sort of communal burial places, these megalithic tombs. And if we move forward in time, we move into the Bronze Age. Um, and again, a lot of the information we know from the Bronze Age is about burial practices. But people started to use um, more individual burials and bury their dead in stone boxes under the ground. So they weren't quite as, you know, they wouldn't have been as obvious on the landscape. We move into the Iron Age, and uh, this is another sort of 
slightly enigmatic period. We have some amazing metal objects, you know, beautiful gold torques uh, from that time period. And we also have the bog bodies, which um, Ireland is very famous for. And you can see these in uh, the National Museum in Dublin, and they're, they're pretty amazing. Phenomenal. And then we move, <laughs> if we keep that, so that's kind of our sort of prehistory, if you like, mm -hmm. very potted version. And then we move into um, early medieval times and the first sort of Christians coming to the Ireland. And this is sort of the, the time of St. Patrick. Um, and again, this is, you know, Ireland would have a reputation for having been a place of great learning. And, you know, we've got all the illuminated manuscripts from the time and all the monasteries. Um, so it sort of it had the reputation for learning, you know, being a very sort of enlightened place. And we keep moving forward in time. We get the Viking incursions. Uh, into places like Dublin and even into the north of the, of the island. Um, we had the Normans came then uh, in sort of around 1100 odd. And then we keep moving forward. We had more and more visitors all the way up to the plantation. And, and I suppose that's what today gives us a really sort of mixed population. So that's a very right. quick run through. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of amazing when you think about the history of Ireland because I think that when people think of Ireland, obviously they they get the Norman invasion. The castles dot the country. Yes. But and then you have the megalithic tombs, which are also very prominent. But it's it's the the earlier time, the the Stone Age, the uh, the Bronze Age, that I think people may not realize that Ireland's history can goes back into that, but there are spots in Ireland that date that predate the um, the pyramids in Egypt, and I think that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of our prehistory would would date the, the would predate the pyramids, and um, even places like Newgrange, which is one of the iconic archaeological sites on the island. You know, it's a monumental structure, um, a huge passage tomb, and it was very much tied in with the winter solstice. So I'm not sure if you've been there, but basically on the, around the 21st of December, the shortest day of the year, um, light from the sun comes in through a special roof box at the front of the tomb and then hits um, the, the wall at the back of the tomb where there's um, some Neolithic artwork. So it's a really complicated, really spectacular, monumental site. And it must have involved a, a lot of people to actually construct. So that was long before the pyramids. And, and, you know, I have not been to Newgrange, but I have been to Lock Crew, which is smaller, um, involves a huge hill to climb and aligns in the summer, but very much the same, the same experience, I guess, as, as Newgrange in the winter. Yeah, very much. Um, I mean, our ancestors, they would have been very tied into the, the cycles of the year and, you know, the star constellations and the sun and the moon. You know, because a lot of it was about survival and they had to understand, you know, the cold seasons and the turning of the year, you know, and, and when their crops would flourish and when their livestock would, you know, um, you know, have calves or whatever. So, so, so it, they were much more tied into the world around them than I think we are today. Right. Well, and they had, like you said, they had to be, they had to really know when it was safe to do things. And um, I think that 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 just gives us such an insight into history. But Ireland itself has so many sites across it. I mean, the, the fairy circles, which are the old um, 
the the ring forts and things like that. Why is it that Ireland seems to have so very much history that is still there that hasn't been you know pushed aside for roads or plowed over by farmers? Well, I mean. I think there have been a lot of big, big road development schemes, um, you know, in more recent years and over the recent decades. But I think Ireland still is predominantly a very rural countryside. So the, the ring forts you're talking about, so we would call them rafts as well. And they would have been early medieval farmsteads. So um, farmers and their families would have lived in these rafts. Um, and there's actually quite a lot of superstitions associated with archaeological sites, you know, and this is where you'd kind of get, you know, words like fairy forts being used. Mm -hmm. So I think um, the superstition in some ways protected the archaeological sites because farmers didn't want to mess with them in case there were repercussions. Um, you know, one of the, the sites that I've worked on in County Fermanagh is called Cornishie. So that's the Hill of the Fairies, and it's an amazing big... Um, well, we think it's an inauguration site, but it could actually be a much earlier prehistoric site. But again, you know, that association with the she, with the fairies has probably preserved it. So, so it's a combination of superstition and also just the farming practices. You know, there's a lot of sort of quite small scale farmers um, mm -hmm. and they would have a lot of cattle. So it'd be grazing economy. So that's not, you know, that would help preserve the archaeology. So if people are interested in archaeology, just kind of as a passing fancy, Ireland is a really terrific place to go and, and get those doses of history that, that take you back into an earlier time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's one of the, the, the main things that we offer, you know, like you just, uh, you arrive and you go out into the countryside and there's archaeology everywhere, you know, in amongst the green fields, um, and, you know, we're very proud of it. So we want to promote it. So there's quite a lot of nice sort of heritage centers as well that people can go and visit. So they can go and see the, the sites and their landscape, but then they can go to a heritage center and learn more about uh, what was involved. And the heritage centers do a terrific job um, kind of painting that picture for you. And then you can go out and, and wander through it and, and get a really good picture in your mind's eye of, of what may have been going on. I, I do yeah. love that about those heritage centers. So now that we've kind of switched over a little bit into learning more, I want to, to talk to you a little bit about Queen's University Belfast and their archaeology department and the school in general. Can you kind of tell me what your archaeology department is uh, kind of really known for, what you're known for doing, and a little bit about the university itself? Okay, so um, so archaeology would be a very long-standing discipline within Queen's University Belfast. Um, so one of our kind of unique aspects is that we combine archaeology and paleoecology, and people don't really know what that is, you know. But but they, and they sometimes think it's uh, to do with dinosaurs, which is paleontology. But actually, it's all about past environments. So we very much look at you know past humans, but within an environmental context. Um, so in terms of our archaeology, we're obviously well known for our work in Irish archaeology. Um, we have a lot of partnerships with community groups and, and we like to get out and around the countryside and share archaeology because, you know, it, it is for everybody. So we have a centre for community archaeology that, that's very active. Um, we also then have a radiocarbon laboratory, our Chrono Centre. So that would be kind of one of the, the world leaders um, in scientific dating techniques. So we're very proud of our ability to combine 
kind of um, a humanities-based approach in archaeology, but also then with a very scientific slant. And we're positioned within the School of Natural and Built Environment. So this means we're, we're working in a very interdisciplinary context, along with um, architects, planners, civil engineers and geographers. And we're positioned then within the Faculty of um, Engineering and Physical Sciences. So we're a real mix, but then it's always at the sort of boundaries between disciplines that you get really exciting things happening and new, new research and initiatives. And how long has Queen's University Belfast been a centre of education? A little about the, the school itself? Well, I mean, Queen's itself was founded in 1845. So um, it's coming up to, I think it's its 175th anniversary this summer. Um, Archaeology in Queensland. So our, our first sort of foray into archaeology was, I think, in 1913, when we, um, one of our lecturers actually fought in the First World War. He's a classical lecturer, um, Dr. Frost, and then he died during the war. And then um, it was sort of in the 1940s that we sort of moved more into having an archaeology department. So it's been been in the, in the university for a long time and we hope it will continue there for many more years to come. So you mentioned the Center for Community Archaeology and that is a really interesting program that you have that really opens up the archaeology experience beyond the school. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and what is there a possibility of people who are visiting Ireland to partake in anything that you might have going on during the year? Okay, so our, our Centre for Community Archaeology, well, well, basically we have a group of really experienced um, field archaeologists primarily, and um, we would basically, so they comprise our Centre for Community Archaeology, and uh, they would work in partnership with uh, local community groups um, and groups like the, the Loch Ney Landscape Partnership, who we work very closely with, um, and a lot of the funding for these community groups comes from the, the National Heritage Lottery Fund. So um, groups around Northern Ireland, they would get funding and then they would, for community-based projects and excavations, and then they would link in with our team. So we engage in um, excavations all around Northern Ireland. And we also um, work with school groups, you know, and we would do a lot of experimental archaeology. So you know, adults and kids get a chance to come out and actually try their hand at making pots or making string, you know, the types of materials our ancestors would have used. Um, and we also, as part of this, we have a young archaeology club. So we would have, you know, mem members as young as about five years old. So anybody, any of the kids who are really interested in archaeology, they join our club and they can be kind of learning, learning more about the subject in a really fun way. So we're sort of in turn, th this year we've got, we're sort of um, branching out a little bit and uh, running a summer school, which um, we hope will be attractive to American students. And we're also sort of thinking about ways that we could maybe, you know, run study tours and give, because we, we know excavating is on quite a lot of people's bucket lists. Mm -hmm. So we're sort of wondering about um, maybe, you know, sort of providing opportunities for if people are visiting Ireland to maybe come and, and dig on a site for a week or something like that. So, so we're, we're, we're very open to ideas. We're quite um, outward looking and, and we like to sort of try new things. And, and, you know, experiential tourism is rising so much. And in a place like Ireland with so much history, I can't help but think that that would be a huge draw. Now, as you mentioned, Queen's University Belfast has an archaeological field school happening this summer. 
And I was really excited to see that because last year you were gracious enough to invite my daughter, Brenna, who you had met a couple of times, to join your first year students digging in the dirt and, uh, and you know, at, at a, an old pottery site. And I think it was probably the best experience of her life. She would come home every day. It was, it was incredibly wet last June. Mm-hmm. And we would pick her up every day and she would just be covered in mud, but grinning from ear to ear and so excited to share her day. So I was really excited to see this. Do you want to share a little bit about what this is and how people can take part in it if they're interested? Yeah, well, I mean, for, first thing, Brenna, Brenna was a joy last year and she was so stoic in the face of the horrible weather because obviously Ireland is beautiful, lush and green, and that's because we get a lot of rain and we can't control for that. <laughs> but um, I was really delighted that Brenna still loved archaeology at the end of, of her excavation experience, um, because it always is great fun and there's always great camaraderie. So this year, um, we're hoping to, to, like I say, bring on board um, some American students who'd be working alongside Queen students um, out on their training excavation. So we're sort of trying to combine the two because we think it would be lovely to have students from, you know, from America and Ireland working alongside each other. So um, we're planning to do an excavation in a place called New Mills in County Tyrone. So it's quite, quite near where um, the training dig was last year. Um, it's on a site called Drumray um, Otra. And we know in 1835 that this site would have been a spade mill. Then it became a sawmill, then it was used as a dairy. And there were also a row of tenant housing on it. And we know that these were still being used in the 1960s. So we've got some very sort of haunting um, images of the the little row of houses, you know, out in the countryside. Um, And these have now been demolished fully. So it's just a greenfield site. So um, we definitely know there's going to be some really interesting archaeology. And it's already elicited a lot of interest from the local community because people who are, who are alive today would remember living in the houses or, or their, their families live there. So there's a lot of kind of um, oral history and community involvement. So basically, um, our sort of field school is going to, going to start on the 1st of June and run to the 3rd of July. And we would um, see whenever students arrive in the first week, they would be getting an introduction to sort of Irish archaeology and the facilities in Queens so that you know get to see our laboratories and come and work with you know bones and pottery and different types of stone tools etc and um, go out on field trips in the evenings and um, all to kind of set the scene for them and then the following four weeks would be actually digging out in the site and they would be based in Belfast in some of our student accommodation and then they'd be traveling in each morning with the, the Queen students so, uh, so I think it would be a really nice way for people to kind of get, you know, a good introduction into Irish archaeology. Now, this is a fully accredited course for college students. It gives six U.S. credit hours, which I think is just phenomenal. Now, do they need to be archaeology students to take part in this, or can they just have a passing interest in archaeology? Well, it sort of depends. I mean, the, the accredited aspect is for the benefit of students so it feeds into their degrees so um like we were primarily imagining it would be of relevance to archaeology students because they do have to get you know accredited um field experience Mm -hmm. um 
but we've also had students, you know, from totally different fields come and um, do study abroad in Queens, you know, and just, just because they're interested in archaeology and they, they want to sort of develop their experience. So, so, I mean, if the school was going to be something of interest for students who weren't archaeology students, then, I mean, they'd be very welcome to get involved. And I, I can say from our experience last year that it really opened Brenna's eyes to a myriad of what is involved in archaeology. You know, if, if you've only seen Indiana Jones, <laughs> you, you might not have a, a good idea of, you know, the full grasp of it. And for us, it was a great way for her to have that um, dig experience so she could really understand if that is the way forward for her, if that is a path she wants to take. And we found it to be absolutely amazing. She just loved it. Um, and Rob was so, so kind to her. She worked a lot with, um, with Rob on categorizing and cataloging. And at the end of it, he told her that, you know, she needed to be sure to add that to her college uh, CV because mm -hmm it should really have a good, strong base for her to get into a school. So I thought that was absolutely incredible. Oh, well, that, that's lovely. I mean, Rob was our finance manager on site. Um, he's one of our PhD researchers and he, he just, he maintained, you know, everything in beautiful order because the site was just so rich with finds. I mean, there was, there was just pottery shirts everywhere because it, it had been um, a pottery manufacture site, but I think we were just blown away with the amount of artifacts. So, um, so Brenna really got a, ch a good chance to, to work with all the artifacts and understand more about what we do with them as archaeologists and how we make sense of them. Yeah, it was, it was a terrific experience. And for our family, because we were there, we worked, in, we worked that into our trip to Ireland. So for families who are thinking that would be a terrific experience for their college-aged child, it's very easy to work in a family trip at the end of that. So mm -hmm. you, you send your, your college age child over for this school experience and then you join them at the end and, and everybody enjoys the beauty of Northern Ireland because in that area um, of Tyrone, it's really very central and you can get to the causeway, you can get to Belfast, you can even get over into Donegal and Fermanagh and just really have a terrific vacation. So if that is on your radar at all, I highly recommend it and I'm always happy to answer any questions. Do you have any, um, anything else that you want to maybe mention about um, archeology span in Ireland or um, things that people might want to consider if they are planning to visit Ireland and have an interest in archeology? span Well, yeah, I mean, there are just so many sites that people could go and see, you know, it's, it's really difficult to kind of um, recommend particular ones, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> so here come the three places that you might want to add to your Ireland itinerary. You'll need a car to reach some of these recommended destinations. So I'm excited to partner with irishcarrentals.com to provide an unbeatable quote on your car rental in Ireland. Be sure to use code IFV for Ireland Family Vacations in the promotions box to save an extra 10%. Now, here come those recommended destinations. Yeah, 
So, well, basically, I'm a, I'm a Fermanagh girl. I grew up in County Fermanagh in the, the beautiful Lakelands. So I really think that anybody who comes to Ireland, especially to Northern Ireland, needs to go to Fermanagh. Um, if you go to Enniskillen, it's a beautiful island town. But what I would say is if you're interested in archaeology, you really need to go out to the islands. So we've got um, Devonish Island, which started off um, probably in the 6th century, and it's associated with St. Molish. Um, we know it was on the site of a pilgrimage route to Croke Patrick. Um, there are a lot of upstanding buildings on the island. So you, so you get a little boat out to it. And, and then there's a beautiful round tower to look at, lovely churches. And it's just so tranquil out in the out in lower Lockern. Um, another island not too far away is White Island. And basically you have to get a little ferry as well out to it. But that, that adds to the magic of it all. And on White Island, there are eight very enigmatic stone carvings of people. So they seem to be religious figures. Um, there's possibly David and different um, depictions of Christ. And there's also a Sheila Nagik, which I'm not mm. sure if you're, you're, yes. you might have heard of. Yeah, so there's a, a possible Sheila Nagik. So they're really interesting. But if you have a lovely day, they're just the islands are, are lovely to get out to see. Um, I also think County Tyrone can be a little bit underexplored. So, I mean, we've talked about Tyrone from the excavations, but um, Tyrone has some amazing prehistoric archaeology. So, for example, um, the Baychmore stone circles. Uh, so they're near Cookstown, so they would be early Bronze Age. And again, they're tied into burial and possibly sort of solar alignments. But what's really interesting is that um, the local council have now set up uh, the Dava Sky Dark Sky Observatory. Oh, nice! So that's that's just going to be launched at the start of April. So I think that that's somewhere I'm really looking forward to to getting to see. But if you go to Baymore, that's near Cookstown, you're only really a stone's throw away from Dungannon, which is where the the Hill of the O'Neill is located. So this is considered to be the ancient capital of Ulster. So sort of from the 13th century onwards, and it would have been the stronghold of the O'Neills. But you can go up on the hill and you can basically get amazing views of all nine counties of Ulster. And it's also got one of our very nice visitor centres. So you can you know, have a cup of tea and you can learn all about, you know, the archaeology and the history of the site and, you know, the, who, who were the O'Neills. Um, and then I suppose sort of still staying kind of in central Northern Ireland, I would recommend a trip to Navan Fort. You heard, I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's quite, it's quite a well-known site. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's in County Armagh. And this is, it's sort of tied into the mythology of Ireland and Cúhullan. And uh, it sort of, it's considered to have had a lot of sort of Iron Age ritualistic aspects. So it's really, you know, it's really getting back into again, you know, sort of all of the tales and, uh, the sort of mythology and the Celtic warriors and again harks back to sort of you know pre-Christian Ireland and it's very kind of enigmatic. So um, Navan Fort is also associated with the Navan Centre which again you know then really enriches the archaeological story and uh, yeah it's one of the places near where I would have done my training dig all those years ago so it's quite, <laughs> quite close to my heart as well. I love those recommendations, especially for Manor and County Tyrone. When you when you think of Northern Ireland, these are two counties that I think are very overlooked. Uh, for Manor, I absolutely love just the the outdoor activities and the lakelands. 
And I did have a question on White Island because you mentioned so many stone carvings, which made me think of Boa Island and the, they call it the Janus figure, even though it uh -huh. predates Janus, and which I know was taken off of one of the islands in Loch Urn. So the, the stone carvings in that area are just really incredible to see. Yeah, no, the, the Janus figure is another, it's, it's an amazing site to go and visit. And it's got, there's another little figure beside it in a, and it's inside a cemetery called, called Dra. But if you go to the Janus figure, you have to be careful because it's got fertility connotations. <laughs> and uh, I was tricked into putting my hand in it for a, another American archaeologist with my husband. And uh, yes, then the next thing I was pregnant within a few months, within a few months, bit of a surprise, but a good one, <laughs> long time ago. Beware of that. And then you did mention the Sheila Nagig. And while I know what that is, can you share a little bit about that? Because it's a figure that's a little contested, I think, sometimes. Yeah, so Sheila Nagigs, they're basically quite lewd um, stone carvings of females, you know, and basically they kind of, they're made to look quite ugly in terms of their face, faces. They're usually naked and they do have enhanced genitals. So they're quite like, quite shocking to look at. Um, there's a lot of different theories, but I think one of the sort of the more compelling ones are that they are to sort of shock people. And it was maybe sort of an effort by the early church to kind of remind men of the sort of the vices of women. Um, so it's kind of very much in a patri patriarchal sort of society, but, but there's a lot of different theories that have been advanced, but, but you tend to, they're usually kind of hidden in, you know, high up in a castle wall or sort of hidden in a church wall. So they're, they're sort of visible, but you kind of need to look for them. And they, they are an interesting thing to see. If you, can, if you can spot one, they are well worth searching out just because they are, like you said, they're usually kind of hidden and they are, when you do find them, they're very blatant. Um, yeah. So it, it's kind of a contrast of the two, but they're, yeah. they're really an interesting carving to see. If you can find well, there's, one. There's actually one in the Ulster Museum. I think it's mm -hmm. a Tyrone, maybe a Tyrone example. But um, so, yeah, so if you can't find one out and about the countryside, there's definitely one on, on the display in the, in the Ulster Museum in Belfast. Well, Eileen, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I know that you have a lot going on with the, uh, the end of the school years coming up and you're getting ready for this, this uh, field school, which I think will be fabulous. What is the best way for people to make inquiries about the field school or to get further information? Okay, well, I mean, if people are interested in what we do in Queen's Archaeology, I recommend they follow our Facebook site, which is just QUB-Archaeology at Queen's. And that, that gives a lot of information about our general activities and all our community projects and you know, so if people are over, they can come and come and see excavations in different places. Uh, uh, regarding the field school, the best way is to get in touch with us through our email. So that is arcpal at qub.ac.uk. So arcpal is A-R-C-P-A-L. Perfect. And all of this information will be linked, as always, in the show notes. So you can just click over to those and get all the information that you need to learn more about Queen's University Belfast and the Field School this summer. Eileen, thank you so much for all the information and for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Jodie. It's been a pleasure. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Android. Can't leave a review on your podcast app? Leave a review on the Ireland Family Vacations Facebook page or take a screenshot and tag me at Ireland Family Vacations on Instagram with a few kind words. Questions or comments, email Jody at IrelandFamilyVacations.com. And as always, thanks for listening. Until next time, Slangafol.